thankful um, because of your presence that's here. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your grace. Uh, we thank you for your spirit that comes with insight and revelation, uh, opens our eyes to see you for who you truly are. Uh, Holy Spirit, uh, we just give you room today uh, to minister the word of God to us. Lord, I step into your grace by faith, your grace that makes preaching easy and hearing the word a sweet delight. We give you thanks, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 15. Uh, last week, I started a, a, a mini-series. I'm going to end it today. I started a mini-series on the topic, Walking in the Grace of Divine Inheritance. Walking in the Grace of Divine Inheritance. And, and the, the reason I started that series was a few weeks ago, uh, I, I had a dream. And in the dream, uh, I won't go into the detail of it because I, I talked about it last week. You can get the CD from last week. But, but in, the in the dream, the Lord was uh, comparing me with somebody in the city. And he was using it as an instruction to me. Uh, and he said to me that um, I, I need to deal with him on the basis of inheritance. On the basis of inheritance, not on another basis. And, and that troubled me. I woke up in the morning and, you know, I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of the word. And thank God for the light we get from the word and the instruction we get from the word. I didn't realize that um, I wasn't doing this, but, but he corrected me. Thank God for the correction of the Father. Amen. And, and, and he got me meditating. He got me praying. Uh, it got me searching the Word uh, because everything you get through a dream or a vision really needs to be confirmed by the Word of God. Amen. Because the Word of God is the standard, is the plumb line for judging every revelation we get from God. And, and uh, the Lord led me to Luke 15, and that's how I began uh, studying this. Uh, so I started off by studying it for me, but, but then I know that when the Lord instructs me on certain things, it's because it has an application for the church as well. And the Lord gave me that release to share it, which is why I started last week. So it's important that you, uh, you get the CD, meditate on it, because this is critical for your advancement in 2016. In Luke chapter 15, verse 11, it says, A certain man had two sons. A certain man had two sons. Now, because of time, I wouldn't go through the story. You, you know the story. It is a story that's, uh, that's titled The Prodigal Son, but well, that's an, an inaccurate title, okay? Because Jesus didn't call it The Prodigal Son. Some of our Bible scholars and Bible translators headed it The Prodigal Son. It's actually not the story of the prodigal son. It's the story of the father, the loving father um, and his two sons. Everyone say the loving father and his two sons. Now, the father had two sons and we know the story. Uh, the younger son came to the father and said, Father, I want my inheritance. And the father actually gave him his inheritance and divided the inheritance uh, uh, across the two sons, or, or between the two sons. Now, we know from Semitic culture that the older son has a double portion. So the older son, according to Jewish culture, would have received more than the younger son. And the Bible actually says the father divided his inheritance between the two sons um, uh, as it was their right to have it. Now, the younger son took the inheritance and squandered it, and we know that story, and that's uh, what a lot of us focus on. But then, uh, at some point, 
in the story, when the younger son was eating uh, with pigs and realized he was in want and realized he had made a huge error, he said, you know, my father has servants and they eat better than I do. I'll go back to my, my father and I'll repent. I'll tell him, father, you know, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Uh, just make me a servant. So he went back home. Everyone say he went back home. And the Bible says that when the father saw him afar off, from a distance. So the father had been aching over his son, hadn't he? Uh, he spotted the son afar off and he began to run toward him. A wealthy Jewish man, dignified, will not run. They're not supposed to run because when you run, you expose your ankles. And it's considered um, you know, improper and unholy to do that. You're meant to be dignified. Your, your ankles are meant to be covered. But because of the love of the father for his son, he, he broke all protocol and ran toward his son. And his son began to say, Father, I'm sorry, I've messed up. Um, you know, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just just make me a servant. And, and the Bible says that the father um, restored the son, gave him the robe of righteousness, gave him the ring of authority, and killed the fatted calf for him. Hallelujah. Wow, what a father. Now the older son, who by right had a greater inheritance... And had been given a greater inheritance because the story started by saying that the father divided the inheritance among the two sons. When the, the older son heard that this younger son was restored, he was clearly upset. And he went to the father and said, Father, you, you, you haven't done well for me. And we read that, we don't even need to read through the lines, you know, just read the story. He said, you, I, I have done so much better than this other son, and you didn't even give me anything. I mean, you never said on any occasion, go celebrate with your friends. And now this boy has come back, and it seems like you are rewarding his, his bad behavior. And that fatted calf that everyone has been eyeing, but no one has been able to touch, this son of yours that came back, you've killed the fatted calf for him. And the father looked at the son and said, you know, everything I have is yours. You I have with me always. Your son was lost and now he's found. This is a story of inheritance. It is a story of understanding the heart of the father. It is a story of the kingdom of God. I believe this story hinges on three critical things. Number one is understanding the nature of the Father. Understanding the nature of the Father. Number two, understanding what is yours. What belongs to you by inheritance. And number three is asking for it. Asking for it. We see through the story that the younger son understood the nature of the father and then he understood what he had a right to and he went to the father and asked for it. You and I must understand the nature of our father. We must understand our inheritance and we must ask for it. In the kingdom of God, things don't happen to you just because you are a Christian. Because then you will be like the older son who is waiting around 
for stuff to happen. In the kingdom, things don't just happen to you because you are in the kingdom of God. Thank God we've been delivered from the power of darkness. We've been planted into the kingdom of his son. But you need to understand the nature of your father. You need to understand what you have. You need to understand that you must ask for it. Say to your neighbor, ask for it. You know, to break, uh, break it down in these three segments and, and expand on it, I think I'll start by going back to understand what an inheritance is. This son came to the father and said, Father, I want my inheritance. I want what is mine. Last week, I highlighted that there are four things that um, we need to understand about an inheritance. An inheritance is... Um, when you enter legally into the labor of another. So what that means is that you do not labor for an inheritance, you appropriate an inheritance. So somebody has labored and has substance, has things, cars, houses, etc., whatever it may be, and they have legally made it yours, and, um, and you, you enter into it, the point of their death or at a designated time. Uh, you know, there's some people that have trust funds and you enter into that fund, not necessarily when the testator dies, but there's certain things that initiate the release of funds to you. It could be when you're 21 years old, you get, you know, $5 million, you know, when you get married, etc., etc. But the key thing is it is legally yours and it is based on the labor of another. So you do not labor for an inheritance, you appropriate an inheritance. That's number one. Number two, if any attempt is made to rob you of an inheritance, you have a legal case, and the terms of that inheritance will be enforced by law. Are you with me? So if you have an inheritance that is yours, it means it is legally yours, but if somebody, just because you have an inheritance doesn't mean people won't try to cheat you out of it. Okay, but you have a legal case and, uh, and that inheritance or the terms of that inheritance will be enforced. Number three, the size of your inheritance is not determined by your ability or your worth. It is determined by the ability of the one who provided it. Who provided it. And number four, the ability to manage your inheritance is based on your wisdom, on your level of wisdom. So even though the younger son uh, was unwise, he was still eligible to the inheritance, was he not? Okay, he squandered it, uh, but guess what? When he got back, guess what was restored? His inheritance was restored as well. Amen. Because he had the robe of, he had the robe of, uh, um, he, had the, he had the robe of son, sonship, which qualified him for an inheritance. And guess, uh, and, and I bet that the next time he got something from his dad, he would have handled it a lot wiser. Amen. Hallelujah. Your lack of wisdom will not disqualify you from the inheritance you have in God. I say it again. Your lack of wisdom will not disqualify you from the inheritance you have in God. Amen. So the story hinges on understanding the nature of the father. The son, the younger son got it. The older son didn't. We must understand that we approach the father on the basis of grace and not the basis of justice. 
the basis of grace, but not on the basis of justice. Because the older son came to the father and said, what you have done is unjust because I deserve it more than the younger son. Hallelujah. But how many of you know that the Bible says that all good and perfect gifts come from above, from the father of lights in whom there is no variableness, nor shadow of turning. We must begin to enjoy what God has for us in the kingdom. We must understand the nature of the Father. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus, speaking about the Father, said this in John 20. Look at John 5 verse 20. Understand the nature of the Father, that He is a God of love and He is in love with you. Hallelujah. God is in love with you. God loves you. God loves you. God is in love with you. Amen. I read a book where, you know, the Lord was saying, I'm, I'm especially fond of you. God is especially fond of you. Everyone say, God is especially fond of me. No, I meant you, not me. As in, God is especially fond of me. Hallelujah. We need to believe that. We need to understand the nature of the Father. I was written in Deuteronomy 1 yesterday, and um, Moses was talking to the children of Israel, and he was rebuking them for their lack of faith. And he said in the wilderness, you know, God went before you and, and uh, he led you to where to pitch your tent. At night, he went ahead of you with a pillar of fire to show you where to pitch your tent, to lead you where to go. God is a loving God. Hallelujah. He's in love with us. When you understand how much God loves you, it will change the way you approach him. Hallelujah. In John 5.20, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son, that's himself, can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. The Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater things that you, than these that you may marvel. So Jesus was saying, of myself, or on my own, I can't do anything. I am wholly dependent on the Father. And the Father reveals things to me, Jesus said. He leads me, where, he leads me on where to go. He shows me what to do. Without Him, I can do nothing. But because the Father loves me, He reveals things to me. Hallelujah. And He's going to reveal more to me. Amen. Now look at um, John 17 verse 20. John 17 verse 20. Jesus is praying here. He says, I don't just pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us, isn't it? That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me. And have loved them as you have loved me. Wow. Now Jesus prayed in John 5 and said, I cannot do anything on my own. I do what I see the Father do. Now, the Father reveals things to me because He loves me. Yeah, the Father loves the Son, so the Father reveals things to me. And He's going to reveal more things to me. And then later on, in Gethsemane, 
He's praying and he says, Father, I'm not just praying for myself. I'm praying for everybody that is going to come into union with you as a result of the preaching of the gospel. That is you and I who have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into his kingdom. And he says, Father, I'm praying for them that they will experience your glory like I have it. I'm sharing my glory with them. And I want them to know that you love them as much as you love me. Hallelujah. That means that every child of God is loved as much as God loves Jesus Christ. That's the word of God. Now, that's dancing revelation right there. Yeah, that, that, that is, you know what I mean by dancing revelation? Yeah, that means that when I get into the presence of God, I, I, I begin by understanding who I am. I am somebody who is extremely loved by the Father. Hallelujah. And if the, the qualification of revelation is the love of God, then I'm qualified for revelation. Because Jesus said, I, he's revealing things to me because he loves me. So that means that I have a right to revelation. Hallelujah. I have a right to be divinely led. And my father loves to lead me. So the first thing I must do is understand the nature of the father. Understand the nature of the Father. The Father loves us. John says we have known and believed the love that God has for us. You need to sit with this understanding until it affects your thinking. Hallelujah. So that when you fall on your face, the place you run away from is not the presence of the Father. You are running toward the Father. Because you have learned from Luke 15 that when this boy messed up and he had messed up I mean, royally, as they say. But as soon as he turned toward the father and was walking home, the father was running towards him to bring him to a place of restoration. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Hallelujah. It is Christ that went to the cross for you and died for you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God revealed to you in Christ Jesus. If you turn and you repent and you face, to, face God, God will restore you. The years the canker worm has stolen and the palmer worm have stolen, God is going to restore you. He's going to bring you to a place of glory and prominence because he loves you. Hallelujah. The second thing that the younger son understood and we must understand is the inheritance that we have in God. Colossians 1.12 says that God has made us meet or qualified us to be sharers of the inheritance of the saints in light. God has qualified us. If you are born again, you are qualified. Hallelujah. Amen. If you are born again, you are qualified. For the inheritance of the saints in light. Romans 8.17. The Bible says that if you are a child of God. Let me have Romans 8.17 up there. The amplified version. It says if you, are a if you are a child of God. Then you are an heir also. You are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If we are his children then we are his heirs also. Who is an heir? An heir is somebody who is qualified for an inheritance. Everyone say, I'm an heir of God. It says, you are heirs and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. So everything that Christ is qualified for, you are qualified for it. 
Hallelujah. That, that is too big for the mind to embrace. We must meditate on it to embrace it. Because what we are doing is when we are approaching the Father, we are asking God for scraps from his table um, based on what we perceive to be our level of qualification and level of righteousness. We are not approaching God like Jesus will approach God. Hallelujah. We are, we are mitigating uh, what, we, what we ask for based on what we believe we deserve. Well, the Bible says that if you're a child of God, you're an heir of God. And not only an heir, but you are a fellow heir with Christ. And it expands it and says that you are qualified to share his inheritance with him. Now, what inheritance does Jesus have? You know, in uh, John 16, 15, Jesus said, everything the Father has is mine. Wow. He says, everything the Father has is mine. If you look at the Amplified, it says, everything that the Father has is mine. And that is what I meant when I said that he, the Spirit, will take the things that are mine and reveal them to you. So he's saying that, you know, everything that belongs to God belongs to me. I have access to it. But because we are sharers or co-sharers with Christ... Everything Christ has access to, we have access to. And he said the Spirit has come to reveal those things to you. To declare them. To disclose them and to transmit them to you. Hallelujah. Because if you do not know what you have in your inheritance, you will never walk in it. Yeah? I mean, if all you're doing is, is driving a beat-up car... And somebody has, um, has written your name into a will, and in that will, you have, you know, um, I don't know, I don't want to mention a car, but you have, you know, uh, a fantastic car. Based on your current level, you will never consider yourself qualified for that. So you need to know what's in the inheritance, know what is available to you, based on the Father's love and the Father's grace. Jesus said, everything the Father has is mine. And that's why I'm telling you that the Spirit of God is critical because the Spirit will reveal to you. He will disclose, He will declare, and He will transmit these things to you. The kingdom of God is made real by the Holy Spirit. So we must understand the nature of the Father. We must understand the scope of our inheritance, what we have in God. That's why Paul was praying for the Ephesians. He said, God, I pray that you give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the eyes of their heart being enlightened, that they will know what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints. God, open our eyes to the inheritance. When you and I meditate in the word, we will come into an understanding of what we have in God because the word of God is a documentation of our inheritance. The word of God is a documentation of our inheritance. It is a documentation of what God has already made available to us in Christ. Hallelujah. The word of God is a documentation. It's a legal document. It's a documentation of our inheritance in God. If you see something in the word of God, the promise of God to you as a new covenant believer... Uh, you have the right to stand on that word and demand it. 
because it is yours. Amen. It does not take anything from the Father to um, fulfill anything he has promised because an inheritance has to do with things that already exist. Are you with me? If somebody gives you a will, the person that is giving you the will doesn't have to work for the things that are in the will. The will is a documentation of what already exists and is now legally yours. Are you with me? God does not release any ounce of, of power to produce what he has already documented in the word as belonging to you. Hallelujah. That's why he doesn't need to labor for it. You don't need to labor for it. You need to appropriate it. Hallelujah. That's why the Holy Spirit is so critical. But the last point, I think, is actually one of the most critical points in this trilogy, is the fact that you need to ask for it. The younger son understood the nature of the father. He knew his inheritance and he asked for it. You know, real prayer is knowing God's will and then asking for it. Hallelujah. That's what prayer is. It is knowing God's will. It's actually doing business with God. Knowing God's will and asking for it. E.W. Kenyon said that real prayer is God looking down and seeing people reflecting his word back to him. Hallelujah. So real prayer is not saying, oh God, I need, I need, I need, help me, help me, help me. Even though you have a real need and you have, you have real need for help. Okay? Real prayer is understanding what is in the inheritance and then reflecting it back to him. Hallelujah. The son knew what was his and he asked for it. Let's expand on that a little bit. You know, I have noticed that throughout the Bible that if God wants something done, he tells us to ask for it. Even though God is omniscient and knows all things, he says over and over again through scripture that we should ask. I mean, look at the story in Luke 15. The problem with the older son was he didn't understand the nature of the father. He didn't know what he had and he didn't ask. Because if that older son had known the nature of the father and... Um, known in his inheritance and known how to ask, that fatted calf would have died a long time ago. I mean, you agree with me, right? Because he had been looking, he had been longingly looking at the fatted calf. It's like, man, one of these days, the father will give me that calf. I just need to work harder. The father will give me that calf. And then the young son comes back home after squandering the inheritance and they kill, the cow is dead. In fact, I don't even think the older son had a taste of the cow. He didn't know how to ask. There's something about asking. You know, James 4.2 says, um, you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. In John 16.24, Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. 
Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door is open to them. He says, ask. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, 20. You know, I believe with all my heart that the Lord is saying to us that 2016 is the year that you will walk in the grace of your divine inheritance. But in order to walk in the grace of divine inheritance, you, you need to make some adjustments. You need to be like the younger son, but a wiser version of the younger son. Hallelujah. You are not going to walk in the grace of divine inheritance if you function like the older son. Because, you know, in 2 Corinthians 6.12, the Amplified Version says, or Message Bible says, the smallness that you feel comes from within you. Your life is not small, but you are living your life in a small way. It is possible for people to limit God. Psalm 78.41 says that the children of Israel limited God in the wilderness. The problem is this. That if we do not make certain adjustments, even though God has great things planned for you, in your heart, you will limit what God can do in your life. Hallelujah. We will limit him. Because what we ask for and what we perceive and what we believe we are qualified for will now be determined by ourselves and our experiences to date. It will be determined by what your father has said or what your mother has said or what your brother has said or what your friends think you are qualified for. And in your heart, you will limit yourself to that. Hallelujah. You will go to God with a limit imposed in your heart because within yourself, you consider yourself a grasshopper and you consider the giants too big for you. Hallelujah. But when we get before the word and we begin to meditate on God's word and submit and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and take the word as a documentation of our inheritance, that word will cause the limits that you have imposed on yourself to be removed. Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, it says, it says for all, everyone say all. Say it again, all. It says for all the promises of God in him are yes. And in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. For all the promises of God. Hallelujah. I love that. What is that saying? That is saying that when you go to God with his promise, he does not say yes, no, maybe, wait a while. The only option is yes. Yeah? No, maybe, wait a while are not options when you come to God with his promise. It says all the promises of God in him are yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. When you open the inheritance and you see a promise. A promise is not what God is going to do for you. Forget that definition of promise. A promise according to the Bible is a legal documentation of what God has made available to you in Christ. Hallelujah. That is the legal definition of a promise. So when you see a promise in the word, begin to rejoice. Because God does not have to act on his promise because his promise is his answer. Are you with me? His promise is telling you what belongs to you. You are meant to start rejoicing and then take that promise to God and say, God, I thank you because this is your promise. This belongs to me. I rejoice because this is part of my inheritance and I appropriate it as mine and begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. It says all the promises of God in him are yes and through him are amen.
Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. Look at 1 John 5.14. It talks about the confidence we, ha- we have in him. Oh, we're going somewhere with this this morning. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. The Amplified says that when we ask anything according to his own plan, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have as our present possession what we have asked of him. So when we get into the word of God, when we go into the word of God and receive his promise, we know that that is the will of God for us. You know, I said earlier that you need to know what's in the inheritance. The word shows you what the inheritance is. You know that this is part of the inheritance you have. And when you reflect that to God and you ask for it, he always says yes. He always says yes to everything in his word. Now, let us unpack this a little bit. You know, why does God say, or why does God demand that we ask, even though he knows what we need, even before we ask? Why does he demand? Why is it that throughout the scriptures, he says, you know, even though he knows what you need, he still says, ask. Why is asking so important? You know, John Wesley, who was one of the greatest reformers, he said from his observation, it looks as though God cannot do anything in the earth except in response to prayer. God cannot do anything in the earth except in response to prayer. So prayer is not just a sign of respect and humility uh, when we ask God for stuff. Prayer gives God a legal basis to come into your situation. Hallelujah. Prayer establishes a legal platform. You know, on the earth, there are only two sets of people that are legally allowed to be here. We are, right? But you know, Satan fell, right? Uh, And he was cast to the earth. So he and his cohorts are legally allowed to be in the spiritual plane. Yeah, we know that, right? And that's why when someone decides that they're doing deliverance and they want to cast a demon to the lake of fire, they're just fooling themselves because the demon stays there. He doesn't, he can come out of the person, but he's legally allowed to be here. You cannot cast a demon to the lake of fire. You can't cast it under the some place, all right? You can cast it out of somebody, but demons are allowed to be here at this time. Now, are you with me? Okay, you cannot clear all the demons in Oniru. Yeah, you can't do that. They are legally allowed to be here. But the key thing is that as we begin to shine as lights, okay, uh, as lights in the world, we, we, will, we will penetrate their influence and, and, and nullify their influence in the hearts of men. Is that not correct? When you get into the word, the power of the devil over your life is broken, isn't it? Even though he keeps coming around trying to tempt you, but because the light of life is on the inside and you're walking in revelation power, you can't be deceived anymore. Uh, are you with me? Um, so, um, so there are two beings that are legally allowed to be here. We are legally allowed to be here. Hallelujah. 
And the devil is currently legally allowed to be here. As a matter of fact, the devil is the God of the world system. When Adam and Eve sinned and they, they submitted to the devil and the Bible says through one man's sin, sin came into the world and death came into the world and Satan became the God of the world system. Is that not true? So he legally has a right to be here and he's legally in charge of the world system. When he was tempting Jesus in Luke 4, he said, listen, he took him to a high mountain and said, all these kingdoms have been given to me. Bow to me, worship me and I'll give them to you. So the kingdoms of this world currently legally belong to the devil, do they not? You can see that God is not in control when it comes to the systems of the world. Hallelujah. Because at this time and in this dispensation, Satan is currently the God of this world. But thank God, Jesus came, went to the cross and died and destroyed the power of the devil. But Jesus did not reform the world. He created a new creation. He created a new kingdom. So when we became born again, we were delivered from the kingdom of darkness and we entered into the kingdom of light, but we're still in this world, aren't we? We're still in a world where Satan is the God of this world. So we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. So there is a, a kingdom within a kingdom. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God within the kingdom of darkness. But as members of the kingdom of God and as human beings, we have the right to invite God into the earth. Because we have a right here, do we not? But God can only respond to us. We have to invite him in. Every time we pray, we are giving God a legal basis to come into the earth and come into a situation. There is nothing that happens in the earth. There is no intervention in the earth that God can carry out legally without somebody praying. Hallelujah. Because God is love, but he's also just. So he will not contravene divine justice. Hallelujah. If I lease a property to you, and you legally have the right to sublet it, and you, you, you sublet it to somebody else, and the rights you give them... Um, you know, exceed your rights, then, you know, somebody can't just come into the house. They have to ask permission first. Are you with me? God, even though the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, God has given a long lease of the earth to humanity. So for him to come into the earth, we need to invite him in. He needs to be invited in. And that's why prayer is so important. Prayer is not you contending with God that God, you've got to give me this. You've got to give me this. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Prayer gives God a legal basis. And that is why when God looks down and he sees his people reflecting his word back to him, then he comes into that situation in the power of his word. And when the demonic spirits come around and say, God, what are you doing here? He says, I'm responding to my covenant partner on the face of the earth that is calling for my ability and when you call for the ability of God and he partners with you the power of God is expressed into the situation amen he said ask me ask me he said ask me in Psalm 2 he says ask me and I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance the uttermost parts of the earth or the ends of the earth for your possession ask me he says when we pray, 
we give God a legal platform for him to intervene into a situation. Look at the book of Ephesians 6, verse 18. Let me round this up this morning. Oh, prayer is the business of the church. It's the main business of the church. In Ephesians 6, 18, it said, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Pray always. Pray always. With all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Pray always. With all prayer and supplication in the spirit. You know, one of the things that is so powerful about prayer, particularly praying in the spirit, is that when we pray in the spirit, the Holy Spirit brings revelation to us. The Holy Spirit gives us revelation concerning what to do and how to do it. And that's why, you know, going back to what I said earlier about Jesus. Jesus said, I can only do what I see the Father do. Is that correct? And he says, the Father loves the Son and he shows me what I should do. And then he says in John 16 that the Holy Spirit will reveal your inheritance to you. The Amplified says he will disclose it, he will declare it, he will transmit it to you. So what we need is revelation about what God has provided and how to connect with it. You know, when you go into the Word and you see the promise of God concerning any aspect of your life, and you take that promise and you say, Father, I thank you because I see in the covenant that this belongs to me. You've said yes to this. I therefore appropriate this in my life. If you then start praying in the Holy Spirit, you start praying in the Holy Spirit, you start praying it through in the Holy Spirit, what happens is within your prayer time, the Holy Spirit will reveal that thing to you. He will give you insight concerning the I call it the technology of how to connect with God, with what God has provided for you. Are you with me? You know, in Jeremiah 33, 3, the Lord says, call upon me and I will show you secret things that you don't know. In the area of prayer, when we pray, he reveals secrets to us. Secret things. The Holy Spirit unlocks certain things to us regarding what God has provided for us in the inheritance and how to connect with it. Imagine that you're a business person and you are, I don't know, maybe you're trying to raise funding. You know, most young businesses are always in need of funding. Now, the way you connect with God is this. You don't just say, God, I need funding. You go into the inheritance and find out what is there for you. What does the inheritance say about this area? Now, the Bible says that it's God that gives us the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, uh, which he swore to our fathers. The Bible says that God will supply our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. 
Now, you can take those verses and some other verses in the inheritance that you search out and then take, instead of going into the presence of God with fear and worry, you go with confidence because you have read the terms of the inheritance. And then you take it into the presence of God. And you begin to thank him because this is your inheritance. And, and then you say, Father, therefore, regarding this funding, I see this funding as met. And then you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit uh, with the, 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 the need in mind and also with what he has said about it in mind. Hallelujah. Because he said, I supply your needs according to my riches in glory. And as you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit and pray in the Holy Spirit and pray in the Holy Spirit and pray in the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will reveal, he will transmit, he will disclose, he will declare to you uh, how to connect with what God has given you. Divine ideas come in the place of prayer. Hallelujah. That is where they come. And that's why Paul, in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, he says, when you pray in an unknown tongue, you are not praying to man, you are praying to God. In the spirit, you are speaking mysteries, hidden things, and secret truths. You are disclosing secrets as you are praying in tongues about a matter. And the spirit within you will interpret those secrets into your mind and connect you with the solution to what God has provided for you. Hallelujah. You know, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says that I has not seen, ear has not heard. It has not entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed them. Everyone say revealed them. I'll say it again. He has revealed them to us by his spirit. So just because, you can't just quote that verse, I has not seen, ear has not heard and be rejoicing. The power is in the revelation, is it not? You are not going to walk in it until you receive the revelation. And you receive the revelation in the place of prayer. There are things that God has prepared for you in 2016 that you have no idea about. You have no, you have no clue. Meanwhile, they are prepared for 2016. But as you begin to pray, you know, as you begin to pray, and that is why prayer is the main business of the church. Hallelujah. You know, I, I was saying to a few people, I've said a few times here, that we're praying a while ago, and the, the Lord spoke to us and said that the winds, of, or the winds of change are blowing across the earth, and we should lift up our sails to catch the wind. We should lift up our sails. Jeremiah 10.23 says, the way of man is not in himself. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You have no clue what God has prepared for you in 2016, but you have the Holy Spirit, and he wants to reveal it to you. And that is why extended times of waiting on God in prayer on the basis of the word is the secret to insight concerning unlocking what God has prepared for this year. There are people that know that, you know, their time in their old job has, gone, has ended. There are people under the sound of my voice that know. You know, there was a time that God led Elijah to a brook. And he said, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. Anyone remember that story? First Kings 17. And after a while, the Bible says that the brook dried up. You know, Elijah was there. There was famine in the land, and Elijah was eating. Isn't that great? Cushy position for a man of God. Hallelujah. If they were today, they'll say, well, but your congregation members are poor. How come you are eating? 
Hallelujah. The Lord, Elijah heard the voice of the Lord. Everyone ought to hear the voice of the Lord for themselves. Shandai, shoot a mosquito. That Honda needs to be kick-started. Hallelujah. Amen. You take the word of the Lord and take it into your closet. Hallelujah. You t- just like I take the word into my closet, you take the word into your closet. Hallelujah. Amen. So Elijah went there and was drinking from the brook and ravens were feeding him. He didn't reject the ravens and say, well, they are not pure birds. There are some people that God has ordained that ravens will feed them this year. Hallelujah. But they, they say no. They let their theology get in the way of God's provision. They said God can only ever, you know, meet the needs of a child of God with doves. Only doves are divine birds to bring. God is leading them to an industry that is known for corruption. And they say, Mike, no way. I can't get involved in that, corru- in, that, in that industry. No way. I'm a child of God. He didn't say you should be corrupt. He says this, is, this industry is going to feed you. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, Daniel served 14 kings and they were all unrighteous. But he maintained his integrity. Hallelujah. Unless a person is humble before God and listens to God and hears God and allows God to lead him, a lot of times our theology will get in the way of God's provision. Then he went there and after a while, the brook dried up. Now, if it was some of us, we'll be, we'll be commanding fire. God, this thing that you have created for me, this place must produce. You led me here. But the brook dried because God is not locked into any avenue of revenue. He wants you to be locked into him. But when the brook dried up, Elijah heard the word of the Lord saying, go to Zarephath. Elijah didn't stand walking up and down the brook. My God supplies my need. This brook must provide. This brook must supply. No, he he reflected God's word to him and opened his heart to hear God's direction. It is the spirit that reveals the word to you. Hallelujah. And that is why times of prayer are so important. You need to wait upon God. You know that the time in this job is over. But you need to hear the word of the Lord. It is important that you have seasons of prayer. Where you reflect God's word back to him. And you spend long periods praying in the Holy Spirit. Because the spirit of God wants to reveal something to you that you don't know about. Hallelujah. And it's not in your mind. It's not in your education. It's not in your pedigree. It comes from God. Hallelujah. And he will unlock it to you because it is the covenant. Hallelujah. It belongs to you. Praying is doing business with God. Understanding his will and through prayer, connecting with it. Receiving the revelation of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said you cannot put new wine in old wineskins. If you try it, the wineskins will burst and the wine will be spilt. God is revealing new wine. But we need to change the wineskin. Hallelujah. The way of operating before is not the way that you need to operate to take you where you are going. We need to be willing to change. We need to be willing to come into a revelation concerning who we are. We don't know who we are. You don't know who you are. You only know the part of you that has been revealed. 
There are parts of you that God is revealing to you, but you will only get it in the place of prayer. There are some people that say, oh, I am an accountant. I'm an accountant. Why are you an accountant? Is that because that's what you do? There might be more to you than that. Hallelujah. Zechariah was a priest. He gave birth to a prophet. You are able to give birth to that which you are not used to. That which is not in your pedigree. Hallelujah. But it is only in times of prayer that we discover it. Let us get into the secret of prayer. Hallelujah. This time of fasting and prayer is critical. It's critical. Begin to meditate on the word. Begin to pray those prayers. If you can, make sure you have parousia. Take the days off. Come in the mornings. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. We're going to get into these things. And the fruits. Your family will be pleased with the fruit. Your children will be pleased with the fruit. Your life will rejoice with the fruit. Your, the whole country will thank God for you. Hallelujah. Did you get something from the word of God this morning? Hallelujah. Let's bless God. Let's glorify Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let us pray. Father, we're just so thankful for the power of the word. The power of the word. We're thankful, Lord, because the word of God, the entrance of your word brings light and understanding to the simple. We receive the revelation from God's word and we act on it. Hallelujah. We act on it. Because we know that the person that is blessed is not the hearer. Uh, the person that is blessed is the doer of the word. Amen. Praise Jesus.